0: Hi friends, welcome back to the Enneagram Girl podcast. We are kicking off today with some tough love. So settle in, grab a notebook and trust that I'll go as gently as possible. But first, what is tough love? Well, it's a noun and it means promotion of a person's welfare by requiring them to take responsibility for their actions. You know, I'm here 110% for the encouragement of your well being. So, who's ready for some tough love today? And while we're at it, we'll dive into our instincts. But I'm not just talking about like flight or fight instincts, I'm talking about how you are wired to survive and thrive in the world around you and in your relationships. In the Enneagram world, this wiring is thought of as our instinctual subtypes. So let's get started. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Enneagram Girl Podcast. I'm your host, Alicia Larkey. On this podcast, we explore all things Enneagram and relationships, from friendships to dating to marriage and parenting, and everything else in between. As a certified Enneagram life coach and marriage coach, I'll help you understand why and how your Enneagram type affects all the relationships in your life and how to improve them, including the one with yourself. For full show notes and resources of each episode, head to Enneagramgirl.com. Now let's get started. We're going to start today talking about some of the things that each of us needs to work on or face in order to improve our relationships, not just with other people, but with ourselves. I've been looking forward to sharing my heart on subtypes for so long because understanding the basics of your subtype is going to feel like you have a cheat sheet that you've never had before. It will make you go, aha, (laughs) that makes so much sense why I handle that thing this way. And if you want some bonus points, you should learn about your partner's subtype too. This is going to help you understand how and why they react the way that they do. All in all, what I share in this episode will help you live with more grace and more perspective in your marriage or relationship by understanding that subtypes are not based just on personality, but on how we strategize even unconsciously, to survive and thrive in what is going on around us. Our behaviors and relationships are greatly affected by our subtype, not just in marriage or in dating, but in your friendships too, and even in your co-working relationships, your parent-teacher interaction, all the many ways that we walk through our lives with others. So you've learned your Enneagram type, and now you're ready for level two. If you haven't learned your Enneagram type yet, though, will you make sure you go back and listen to episode one of this podcast, or you can always reach out to me to book an Enneagram typing session at alishalarkey.com. So for some of you who have been listening to all these past episodes, first of all, thank you. I love you so much. This conversation about subtypes will be a gentle reminder because you've already been putting in the work of self-awareness and with being intentional with how you are showing up in your relationships. For others, it might make you stop in your tracks and realize, hmm, there is some big work to do here. And that's okay, because that's what I'm here for. And you are so worth that big work. And so is your marriage or relationship. Either way, we should all learn from each of these subtypes so that we can open our hearts and our minds to find more balance and see where we can do better in all the areas of our lives. So let me introduce you to Enneagram subtypes. By the way, these are the kind of conversations that I'm having in much more detail during my actual life coaching sessions and marriage coaching sessions with my clients. So today... You get to consider yourself to be in my cozy office, in my comfy chair, curled up with a blanket, and allow yourself to dive into the deeper layers of what makes you, you. Okay, so here we go. What are subtypes? Subtypes are your basic survival instincts, to put it plainly. This main part is going to be easy to remember because there are only three of them. One of the subtypes is called self preservation. Another subtype is called social. And the other subtype is called one to one, or sometimes it's referred to as sexual. But obviously, one to one is a better word on a podcast. And it's not just for the reasons you think that it's called that. We all relate to each one of these three subtypes, but there is one main subtype that is the most dominant for every one of us. We are using this instinct, that dominant instinct, to feel safe in what's going on in our world around us. This is where most of our energy will tend to go. So when our subtypes are different, especially in marriage or relationships, and when it comes to your needs being met, it's so important to understand each other's subtypes. I find that miscommunication can really stem from here specifically. So you can really gain insight into yourself and your partner by digging into this work. Remember, knowing if you two have two different dominant subtypes can really give you a lead in to understanding each other better. You also will use one of the three subtypes the least. This is often referred to as a blind spot but we'll dive into that another day. The main point is to start exploring this part of your growth work to see if you can spot some areas that you can work on or work on with your partner. And the bonus is to help you understand your partner better too, especially if you want to improve the communication and the connection and understanding in your relationship. Truity.com says this about subtypes the best way to find your Enneagram subtype is to notice where your attention goes when you are out and about in the world. For now, don't get caught up too much in the three main subtypes, self-preservation, social, and one-to-one just yet. Wait until we dig into what each of these subtypes means and how it looks different for each of the Enneagram types before starting to ask which one might be most dominant for you. Our goal in learning about each of the Enneagram subtypes is to become more aware of how we're showing up in our lives and in our relationships so we can have more balance and more peace. So let's talk about how these three instincts show up. Are you ready to go? The self-preservation subtype is an instinct towards survival essentials. These are things like food, water, personal safety, well-being, and comfort if self-preservation is your subtype, you're probably more focused on your security. You're highly aware of health and safety and how you're physically feeling in different situations and environments. You might even be focused on the environment of where you are at the time, things like temperature, aesthetics, or even the layout of the space you're in. Too much focus, however, on one's personal safety and comfort can sometimes turn into a kind of isolation. So this is one of the many things we want to understand about a self-preservation subtype. Okay, now let's go on to social subtypes. The social subtype is an instinct towards a group, like group support or community. Belonging is important to the social subtype they tend to be most concerned with aspects of the group and their place or role within that group. They need a defined community, maybe even like a political party, a cause, a church community, a school group, or a business networking type thing. This is important to this subtype, and they are highly aware of the health of their relationships within that circle. If there is conflict in their group or in their relationship, then they're more likely to be affected even physically, but too much focus on that social realm can lead to neglecting one's own personal care or even the other important relationships in their life, like with their spouse or their family. This is one of the areas we want to pay attention to when you're a social subtype. And lastly, we have the one-to-one subtype or often known as the sexual subtype. The one-to-one subtype is an instinct for having a few deep, close relationships. The depth and the connection of the relationship is a very big deal for a one-to-one subtype. They value being loved and heard and important to the other person in those relationships. This includes their spouse or their partner and can even include their very close friends. Their physical well-being is more affected when they're feeling alone or rejected by one of those people they are super close to, And they can feel safest and most secure when they are getting quality time with the most important people in their lives. However, too much focus on only those relationships can turn into types of codependency and even neglect for their own self-care. So now that we've heard a short description of each one of the three main subtypes, which one are you starting to resonate with or that's feeling like it's you? Are you feeling like one of those three subtypes might be a more dominant one for you? Are you feeling like you might have a blind spot in one of these areas? Remember, I am barely scratching the surface on how these fully show up in our lives and the ways that they can improve our lives or even hold us back from what we really want. So now let's go even deeper by seeing how each of these instinctual subtypes show up specifically for each Enneagram type. Remember, if you haven't learned your Enneagram type, you'll want to learn that first and then come back to this part of the podcast. Okay, we'll begin with Enneagram type ones. I'm going to go through how each of these three instincts shows up for one, and you might be able to start seeing a hint of which one might be your dominant. then I'll go through each of the other types. So let's get started. A self-preservation type one tends to have a more intense planning mentality. This translates into family life as well. They are structured and they desire to control the chaos. Don't we all? (laughs) They can be critical of many things like appearance, finances, home life, and more. These types are true perfectionist types and can be anxious even. I want to encourage self-preservation type ones to remember that no one is asking you to be perfect. It is okay to breathe and rest in your imperfections and know that you are whole as you are. When a one practices being less critical of themselves, they will also be less critical of those around them. That is super important to understand because it can help improve your relationships. Okay, social type ones. They have a teacher mentality and view the world and their relationships through the lens of right, wrong, or correct, or incorrect. In a marriage or other close relationship, the danger for the social one is that they may see their role in the relationship as helping the other quote unquote to live the right way. I want to encourage you social type ones to imagine that there are many possible ways to do something, not just your one right way. You can lean into that friendly, more laid back side of you to connect, even when things aren't set up precisely. Finally, we are talking about Enneagram ones who are a one-to-one subtype, They tend to focus more on their partner's flaws and maybe pass over some of their own. These types are often seen as the reformers of the world. I want to encourage you one-to-one types to become aware of what might trigger the feeling of anger in you. You will want to take responsibility for your reactions as opposed to only focusing on possibly blaming your partner for whatever the challenge is about. Remember that your reaction can contribute to the problem becoming even worse or helping the problem get better. Okay, my type ones, I know that was a lot to take in. And as I stated at the beginning of the podcast, some of this learning today might sound a little like tough love. I, of course, want to be as gentle as possible with all the types and how your subtypes might be showing up in your lives. But I really do care about adding value here when you are spending time listening to this podcast. This includes you being able to pick something up that might be able to start making a small shift towards growth in your life or in your relationships. So for you ones, was there one of these areas that is resonating most? If so, you might be getting closer to narrowing down your dominant subtype or even realizing which area is your blind spot that you could do a little work in. In fact, I would love to see you pop over to my Instagram after this and share what subtype that you think you possibly are. I love to continue the conversation over there. Okay, type twos, your turn. Self-preservation type twos have a childlike need for attention and love. They are naturally good at pouring into others, but sometimes they're doing it to ensure they feel worthy of receiving the love and attention that they need. They can sometimes appear as needy without demanding anything. When they're not getting the attention and love they need from a partner, they might feel angry and become obsessed with finding attention in other ways, like with their friends or serving in places. What I want to encourage self preservation twos to do is to practice boundaries with their time and their attention and realize you deserve to be loved for who you are and not just what you do or how you serve. And work on giving yourself that attention and love that you crave. It doesn't have to come from someone else. The social two is a persuasive leader and comfortable in a power position, which can flow into their relationships. This too is generous and serving, often in groups, and loves having an important place in the group or the community or the family. Sometimes this is as a distraction to knowing how they feel inside. They might also be serving to secure loyalty in the relationship or the friendship or their positioning within the group. Because a social two is so hardworking and passionate, I want to encourage you to prioritize rest, especially for yourself, like a vacation. Trust that you can take a day off from the serving and focus just on you and learning more about your needs. Okay, finally, hello, my fellow one-to-one twos, my people. We believe love is the end-all be-all, everything we need in this entire world to breathe and survive, (laughs) okay? Being needed by our few close relationships is our jam. We love to be perhaps a little aggressive with our seduction and charm because being close to our person, our people, our besties is everything to us. And we're not wrong, so let's just move on, right? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, wait a second. Okay. Yes, that's all true. And to us, it might sound good, but it can be super unhealthy. We struggle with boundaries, meaning we sometimes have none. (laughs) And being rejected by one of these super close people to us can feel like a prison of pain. So seriously, I want to encourage you other one-to-one twos to do your work. Our growth path is to learn that we are still valuable even when we are rejected within a relationship, even when we can't and shouldn't be the end-all be-all to that other person. We are still worthy and we are still valuable. We need to be that for ourselves. And as a side note, some one-to-one twos will have some trauma wounds or addictions because of past deep hurts. So I really want to encourage you to do some personal work like life coaching or therapy if it might be needed. Okay, moving on to our type threes now. Self-preservation threes are typically family-oriented and they like to get things done. As great providers, they value working hard for the people that rely on them. But sometimes that comes at the expense of intimacy within their relationship. They like to achieve all their goals and don't naturally know how to slow down. I want to encourage self-preservation threes to set boundaries, especially with work and their schedule, as this type needs to be careful of letting workaholism harm their personal relationships. Focus on the people in your life with the care that you give to your work and to accomplishing things. Social threes have a desire to look flawless in the eyes of others, even when it comes to their performance as a spouse or as a friend. These types can be extra competitive and have a harder time with failure or criticism. I want to remind social threes that they are loved, admired, and respected even when their imperfections are showing or things in their life are not perfect. You do not have to adjust who you are to the room that you are walking into. I want to encourage social threes to take a rest when they need a break and not question their worthiness when taking those breaks. The one-to-one threes can be sensitive to the perception others will have of them and whether or not there is praise from those they love. They have the capacity to run themselves into the ground to please others They want to feel desired and gain affection and are often image conscious. I want to encourage you one-to-one threes to practice being vulnerable with your closest people and to find ways to truly rest in who you are and not just how you're showing up. Without rest, a one-to-one three will continue to exhaust themselves in pursuit of finding worth in their appearance or their accomplishments without deepening your relationships. For my threes listening, which subtypes are starting to resonate with you most? And keep in mind, we are just scratching the surface barely on every one of these types and their subtypes. There's so much more nuance to every person's situation. We can dive deeper through one-on-one time in a life coaching session to see how to understand all the positive positive and the challenging aspects of your subtype and even your partner's subtype. To book a coaching session, you can go to alicialarkey.com. Okay, next up, we are jumping into type fours. And remember, for all these types, it's helpful to listen to all the numbers because it might be your spouse's number or your best friend's number, maybe your sibling's number or one of your parents or somebody else you care about who you also want to understand better and connect deeper with. Self-preservation fours are comfortable sitting on other people's hard and painful emotions. This can be heroic in some ways because they can sit with these challenging emotions like grief or pain that might make other people feel uncomfortable. However, at times, self-preservation fours can seem unavailable In their marriage because they are spending so much time on this emotional energy looking for their next hero mission or even any person to support. And even though a self-preservation four can handle any dark emotions that other people may have, they feel like no one can really handle theirs or that it might make other people uncomfortable. So they often avoid communicating what is really going on deep in the heart. So I want to encourage you self-preservation fours to begin opening up to the possibility that someone else really does want to know you as deeply as you want to know them. Social fours are the more romantic type and want to be in a loving relationship where they can heal together alongside their partner. They are comfortable being vulnerable in their melancholy and their suffering and even lamenting often. They will focus on their place within the social group more than the other fours because they don't want to be disconnected. Social fours tend to feel less worthy and even envious of others. They will compare themselves to others, which causes them deep shame and an assumption of being rejected. I want to encourage you, social fours, to practice speaking your truth to counter the lies of shame. You are not the deficiencies that you feel you have. Be open to the possibility that you don't have to live under what might feel like a black cloud. Okay, one-to-one fours. One-to-one fours are deep feelers and are more passionate, like an eight. They are more comfortable in conflict if needed and want the love and need the approval of the people in their closest relationships. The 1-to-1-4 is not afraid to ask for what they need and would benefit from having a safe space to vent. I want to encourage you one to one fours to process your deep feelings in a more private way, like with a trusted therapist, a journal, or even an Enneagram coach, as opposed to not only doing this often with your partner. This will help give the relationship some breathing room. Okay, on to type 5s next. Self-preservation fives enjoy the company of a few trusted people, but they are very intentional about how they're spending their social energy. They will need extra time to rest their mind before and after social events, and they might not stay very long. The self-preservation five is good at setting boundaries, but sometimes that can look like they're walling themselves off from others, even especially a spouse. I want to encourage you self preservation fives to spend less time in isolation and share your energy with the people that you love the most. A social five is often great at sharing their knowledge on specific interests and their values, but might be less willing to share their space or their time or their resources. They love teaching and educating, and they relate deeply to others who will share their same interests or ideals. A social five, however, doesn't overshare and they deeply value their privacy. Sometimes it can feel hard to feel like you don't fully know your five. I want to encourage you social fives to communicate your interests more intentionally with the people you love, rather than only sharing them with the people who have the same interest as you. One-to-one fives. They are very passionate and deep, but are reserved and want to share their life with another person in a more private way. They can sometimes romanticize their relationships and become intensely focused on their partner and their partner only. I want to encourage you one-to-one fives to realize a partner cannot meet all your needs and ideals, but that doesn't mean your partner isn't as invested in the relationship as you are. Okay, type sixes, you are up next. Self-preservation sixes have a need to process their fear with a trusted person as there are a lot of fears and doubts that are spinning through their minds. They will often turn to their spouse to help them with this. A self-preservation six feels secure and protected when they have close, loyal friendships. Sometimes this even looks like a surrogate family to them. I want to encourage a self-preservation six to learn to practice trusting your own gut instinct and not question yourself for every single decision. Notice how often the decisions that you make really do turn out great. Social sixes are most socially aware and tend to focus on a group. They prioritize finding a group to belong to like a political party, a church family, or even a company softball team. They focus on what's right or wrong within the group, who is good or bad, quote unquote, within or outside of that group and what the systems and expectations of that group are. They will ruminate with their own inner committee over all these things. I want to encourage social sixes to learn how to disagree with people that they are close to without the consideration of severing those relationships. Okay, one-to-one sixes tend to be more rebellious and anti-authority, In marriage or close friendships, they can come off a little intimidating or maybe even sometimes aggressive. They are often on the fight side of fight or flight. This comes from their fears, but it sometimes can come across a little intense. This can make others who are in a relationship with them feel unseen or not as important. I want to validate that fear and that pain that a one-to-one six feels, but I also want to encourage you one-to-one sixes to trust that your friends, your spouse, and those that you're reaching out to for support are only there for comfort, love, and to help you. And you can trust that. Okay. When I said tough love today, I meant tough love. I know some of these are hard and hard to hear, but We're sharing these, I'm sharing these, because there's opportunity for growth. I've been working on my subtype, my dominant subtype, and my blind spot, and I'm always aiming towards more balance. Sometimes just the awareness of these things that can sound a little like tough love really, really help us grow and become better, better in our relationships and better to ourselves. So that's why I'm sharing my heart today on subtypes. Okay, type sevens, you're up next. The self-preservation seven is practical and might create and maintain a network of allies for resources, fun, opportunities. This type of seven tends to worry a little bit more, be more talkative, and is likely hedonistic. They might splurge or run away from the discomfort in their lives instead of facing it and finding solutions that last. Others tend to admire these types because of the fun and the drive that they have, and the self-preservation seven will sometimes use their charm to get what they want. I want to encourage you self-preservation sevens to look outside of yourself towards serving others and possibly being more present to a more moderate lifestyle with balance and sustained growth opportunities. Social sevens. Social sevens run the risk of burnout because they keep themselves overscheduled and enjoy helping others by serving in various ways. They take responsibility for the group or their family and want to be seen as good because of the sacrifices they make, which can often have them running on fumes they may come across as more critical to others as they try to rein themselves in. They sacrifice their own happiness to avoid painful feelings like anger and are usually unwilling to dive into the deeper feelings that they're having just so that they won't get lost in them. I want to encourage you social sevens to realize that this frenzied pace can damage your family relationships or even your health. Seek more balance and find trusted sources to open up to about those deeper feelings that you might need to process. Okay, one-to-one sevens. They're more assertive, enthusiastic, and lighthearted. They are idealists who like getting lost in imagining a bigger and better life than the ordinary reality they might be living. Because of this tendency to dream about the future and be in their headspace, They might have trouble in areas like finances or relationships where their person might not feel really loved by them. Their spouse might feel that the seven is pursuing their passions and dreams to the neglect of their relationship or avoiding a more secure real future. I want to encourage you one-to-one sevens to bring yourself into the present more often, especially in your relationships. Being at peace with your current reality doesn't mean you're giving up on your idealistic hopes. Create mindfulness practices and practice gratitude for what is happening right now. Okay, type 8s, are you ready? With the self-preservation 8, we can see someone who is a great provider for the family and oftentimes likes to defend those who are seen as weaker. They are tender-hearted, but will not put up with someone else's nonsense. They don't have an overt need to talk extensively, and they like to process things quick. Decision-making is quick, and it's done on their own. I want to encourage you self-preservation eights, to find a way to curb your anger, like through physical exercise. Get into your body space. You also want to make sure you are giving your spouse enough attention, less judgment, and allowing them access to your heart and the warmth that is in there. Social aides like to be of service to others, including protecting those that they care about. They can be hyper-focused on the groups in their life, like their culture or workplace groups or family. In a marriage or friendship, they can tend towards being a little bossy and less accepting of their spouse's independence. I want to encourage you, social eights, to listen to your partner's needs and to respect them. I also encourage you to make sure you have time to focus on your own emotional well-being as well as the others that you are serving. One-to-one eights are charismatic and have a need for strong connection and influence, especially with the people who are most important to them. They can be a little more rebellious and loud than the other eights as they want to capture the attention of others. I want to encourage you one-to-one eights to work on your boundaries in a relationship by being a little less demanding or dominating. Settle into that fun, optimistic side of you. It is safe to slow down and let the other person take up a little space and to grow in your patience. Okay, you nines. Finally, let's discuss how the three subtypes are showing up in nines. Self preservation nines love their alone time and like to hold tight to routines and pace of life. They can even be seen as being in a quote turtle shell because they like to preserve their energy. They can become unaware of how little quality time they're actually giving to the important people in their lives. Family members of a self pres nine may need to reach out to remind them to engage and connect. I want to encourage you, self preservation nines, to learn to build more connection to your feelings, your desires, and the power you have inside of you. Do physical activities to wake yourself up and help you participate more deeply in your relationships. Social nines love being part of the fun and the energy of a group process, but they have a tendency to merge with others for what they perceive as positive reasons. They might even be workaholics as they spend lots of energy on behalf of the group to keep everyone happy, which gives them their peace. This can cause resentment because they are playing small and pr- prioritizing the group's need above their own. I wanna encourage you, social nines, to get one to two hours each day by yourself to recharge. And I also wanna encourage you to wake up to your own needs and set your own goals and expectations of yourself that are separate of the group. Okay, one-to-one nines. You one-to-one nines tend to be more gentle and shy people who go along with their person's wants or needs because they believe that's what they want also. They can tend to be more reliant on someone else to tell them what should be important to them, so they need to put in the work to find their own identity. Creating boundaries and engaging in their body like an exercise can be an important practice for a 1-to-1-9. I want to encourage you one to 19s to avoid merging with other people's choices as a way to never directly be responsible for the things that cause you strife. Learn to have the courage to process your own inner conflict, your own pain, and become more assertive in expressing your own opinions and your strength. Okay. Wow. That was a lot. So let's take a deep collective breath. Breathe in for five. Hold. Breathe out for five. I know that was a lot. And I know some of those things are tough to hear. I hate even going over my own, but It is so worth waking up and becoming aware of it. When I said there'd be tough love today, I was not kidding. (laughs) I hope you're still going to stay following me. It's often hard to hear some of these things about ourselves, especially so publicly. But like I mentioned earlier, keep in mind that it doesn't mean you're doing all the things listed in each type. I'm barely scratching the surface to how this shows up personally for each of you. That is the work that you are going to have to pull in and do on your own or with the help of hiring a coach or therapist. So now that we have all three instinctual subtypes for your Enneagram type, I want to hear which one is resonating with you the most. Are you seeing examples of that in your life currently? Our goal in learning about our subtypes is to become more aware of your dominant instinct, the one that you see show up most often in your life. At the same time, you also want to become aware of which one seems to be your blind spot, meaning which one of these is the one that you are embodying the least. The purpose of understanding subtypes is to be able to create a balance with all three of them, your self-preservation instinct, your social instinct, and your one-to-one instinct. This in turn is going to help you in your relationships and all other areas of your life. These areas of your life will have more balance and more peace because you yourself will have more balance and peace from doing this work. If you want to pop over to my Instagram after finishing this episode and share which subtype feels most dominant for you, you can find me at Alicia Larkey on Instagram. Subtypes are such a beautiful reminder that we are all deeply layered and unique human beings. There's so much more to every one of us than just our Enneagram type or wings or subtype or some of the other things that we've learned in the previous episodes. We know this because there are not any two of us who are exactly alike in this world. Yes, we might have things in common, But the way that they play out in our lives is personal. It's nuanced by the way we surround ourselves, by the people we surround ourselves with, or the jobs we have, or the cultures that we come from, or from the traumas that we've endured in the past and the triumphs we've celebrated. As I've often said, a two is not just a two. I am not like any other two. And a four is not just a four and so on, and so on, and so on. Your instincts are just one more of those many things that differentiate you from the next person. I know this is so much information that you've been learning today, and you guys are the best students. If I could give you a gold star right now through this microphone, (laughs) I would. Maybe even a cupcake, because I know that was some hard, tough love on some of those types. The most important thing I want you to remember about all of this is the thing that I've said since day one, the thing I tell every client in their first session with me. Awareness is the key to all of it. Paying attention to how you are acting and reacting in all areas is the key to getting the life you want and deserve. It all begins with awareness of yourself. None of this is about changing you. It's about waking you up to yourself and the truth of how we are showing up in the world around us and in our most important relationships. It's the key to maintaining or improving those relationships. It's the key to feeling more confident, the key to feeling more authentic, more true to ourselves, and to creating the real life that we say we want to live. Awareness is also the key to understanding how these traits your instincts, your wings, all the other parts of your type that we've been discussing in all the previous podcasts show up for you right now. They could be helping you get the things you really want instead of continuing to feel like a victim in your own life circumstance. Or sometimes we don't realize that we're actually getting in the way of what we want to experience Most of us walk around for years without fully understanding ourselves or how we show up to other people and how other people are experiencing us. So today, you get to start becoming more aware of all that reality, the good, the bad, and possibly the ugly. That's your homework. It's that simple. I want you to just start being aware. Aware when you speak, aware when you do, aware when you feel. You deserve to be seen and fully understood by the most important people in your life. And more importantly, by yourself. We all need to remember that the Enneagram is basically a language. It's a way of communicating with yourself and the people around you. And like I often tell my clients, becoming aware is not about fixing you. It's about freeing you. Okay, so that's all I have for today, my friends. Make sure you tap that subscribe button so you can join me here next time. I promise not to show up with the same amount of tough love. And if you're interested in going deeper into anything you've heard on the podcast, learn more about what I offer as a life coach and marriage coach by going to alishalarkey.com. I would love to invite you into a one-on-one coaching session with me. We'll talk about all the things you're working towards or figure out what you want to be working towards if you don't know what that really is. Those things that you might be uncomfortable to share with a spouse or a friend, I'm your girl, contact me for those things. We can dive through your relationships or any challenges you're currently facing, I can even help you find what feels like more purpose in your life. All you have to do is send me an email. Just say, hi, I'm curious about coaching. Then you can tell me a little bit about what is going on in your life and I'll take it from there. If you're ready to book now, you can go to alishalarkey.com and you'll actually see all my upcoming available dates. All right, that's all for today. Thank you for listening and enduring the tough love. I really, really do care. And I've gone through this growth journey myself. And I just want you all to have such a great day, my friends. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Enneagram Girl podcast. I'd be so thankful if you'd leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast player. And subscribe to stay updated when each new episode drops. For full show notes and resources of the episode, head to enneagramgirl.com. See you next time, my friend.